And Sammy D comes up to uh, lead us with the uh, scripture reading. I would ask that you would let him lead us in prayer as well as he reads. So if you would bow your heads in prayer as you lead us, Sammy D. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our, have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of the trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Sammy D. Just had to get that out. So we continue on with the prayer that we pray together, living the Lord's Prayer. And it's been amazing, like I've said, just every word is so rich. There are three parts to this prayer. Uh, you have the invocation we talked about. Just the very beginning of it is subversive and was dangerous to say back then, just our Father in heaven, and we talked about why, and it's just incredible. Then you have the first stanza, which is three uh, thy petitions. It's really about the divine agenda of, of God Almighty, and it's, you know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and then you have the linchpin verse or phrase. Really, it's just a phrase that really pulls these two uh, stanzas together, which is on earth as it is in heaven. And now we're going to turn to the three we petitions, and it's really about the human agenda, our agenda. And the first one is, give us this day our daily bread, and that's where we are today. So as you look in the outline uh, in your bulletin or on the screen, uh, it's just so rich in meaning. You know, so we're going to focus on three single words in this verse, and, and really the highly significant Christian value that each word points to. So first of all, let's just jump right in to the first point. Give us this day our. <laughs> just the word our, which points to missions, which is very important to this church, as you well know. Jesus tells us to pray, give us our daily bread. It's not in first person singular. It's in first person plural, and that's on purpose. Jesus did not teach us to pray, give me today my daily bread. He said to pray for our daily bread. He wants us to be concerned not just for what I need, but what we need. Thus, this verse, this petition, has a clear missional message for you and me. It kind of pushes me over to James 1, 17 and 18. Because first of all, this really highlights God himself as the great model of generosity whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from god our father who created all the lights in the heavens he never changes or casts a shifting shadow he chose to give us birth to us giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possession it's really about god being the great giver and we're so blessed to be his prized recipients we are and we're so blessed. And think about where we live here in this part of the world. We are so blessed, 
so privileged, really more than any others in, in the world we could, we could argue for. But that's not all. Note that James moves very quickly to the more important words about us. Let's look at James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Now, he's saying this to us, the recipients, the blessed recipients. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food, hungry, or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, can I just give you some facts about hunger? Hunger is the world's number one health risk. It kills more people every year than AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. One in seven people in the world will go to bed hungry tonight. This next one is just striking to me. There are more hungry people in the world than the combined populations of the United States, Canada, and the European Union. That's 27 countries. That's 450 million people just in the European Union. That's haunting, should be haunting to us. If we took the money Americans spend annually on potato and tortilla chips... 13.6 billion, we could reach 90% of stunted children, that's stunted children who don't have holistic development because of the lack of food. They're hungry and they can't develop physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually for that matter, mentally. 90, we could reach 90% of stunted children in the 36 highest burden countries. Let's make it closer to home in Alabama. In Alabama, 796, uh, what is it, 796,000 people are struggling with hunger, and of them, 248,000 are children. One in four children struggles with hunger in Alabama, 35,000 in Jefferson County, right here. I'm so grateful for Backpack Buddies, which Rosanna and the Lloyds got going here, and we're helping to make a dent in that over in Inglewood but still, there's so much more that we could do. And finally, Alabama has the fourth lowest rate of food security in the nation, with 18.2% of Alabamians experiencing low or very low food security throughout the year. So this is what we need to take away just from this. Let me just say this. When we say, give us our day, Give us this day our daily bread. We are petitioning that we join the mission to get that bread to our brothers and sisters across the world. Give us our daily bread is a clarion call for us to be in mission to bring the holistic gospel to people groups who are in need of some of our food. Our. Next, give us this day daily. Let's just talk about daily, which points to faith. Keep in mind to whom Jesus is teaching this prayer. First of all, to his disciples who used to have jobs, and then they started following him, and they are essentially homeless, right? And then it's a mass of people, most of whom are unemployed. They are hungry. They are poor. Uh, many of them are invalids. And they're just trying to get through the day. They're just trying to survive. And that's to whom he is teaching this prayer. 
And it's really teaching about having total dependence upon God to make it through the day and to really have the faith to make it through the day, which is why if you read uh, in Luke the way Luke shows this prayer, it says literally, give us day by day our daily bread. Jesus clearly wants us to live out our faith one day at a time. One day at a time. Soon after he teaches this prayer in the, and during the Sermon on the Mount, he reminds us not to worry, but to have a day-by-day faith that he will be there for us. Look at Matthew 6, 30-33. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? He's saying, have, have faith. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now this Wednesday, as Keith said, we have Ash Wednesday, and I hope you'll come to that. It's always a great service, very meaningful, very uh, intimate. We will impose uh, the ashes upon your forehead, and it's a wonderful, wonderful time of worship and really commitment it's really about the beginning of the lenten season as you know we give up something that we hunger for it could be for some kind of food it could be some kind of drink it could be sweets Uh, it could be some habit it could be social media it could be a whole lot of things and it helps us consider how jesus sacrificed so much for us and and what we do doesn't compare in any such way with what he did for us. But it's a wonderful spiritual discipline that churches have done for centuries, as you well know. And one of the many benefits of it is that really disciplines us against, we could call it idolatry, I would say, placing something more ultimate in our lives than the Christ who sacrificed his life, who gave us eternal life. How can anything be more precious than that? It reminds us to cherish what we have in the everydayness of life, but not to covet what we do not need. I think of the writer of Proverbs 38 and 9, where he says, well, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? Now, is that saying, no, it's, it's, it's bad to be rich? No, it's saying, don't make that an idol. Don't let that get you into any kind of materialistic idolatry. That's what it's saying there. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. I hope Lent will help us be liberated from whatever our idol is right now, that we might really follow the bread of life. And that gets us to our final final point, which we're going to go a little bit more deep on this. Bread. Give us this day our daily bread, which points really directly to Jesus. Now, at this table is some bread, and and by the way, it's gluten-free from now on consistently, so I just wanted you to know that. But more importantly, and and spread the word on that, and speaking of spread, I want to talk about toppings on bread. Do you see what I just did? Was it that really? Yeah, it was so good. Um, And by the way, thank you, Rusty, for the muscadine uh, over there, over there. Thank you so much. Speaking of spreads, if I were to ask you, what do you think in America are the most popular toppings on bread or toast or anything like that? What, what would you say? Okay, wow. Okay, wait. One, so raise your hand. And, okay, yes. Jelly? Okay. Oh, let's go on and go with that. Let's see. Let's go with the first one. Oh, 
I would call that preserves, but jelly-like. And I think that's, I think that's uh, strawberry. And we got one more. I think this is, uh, I think that's cherry. Cherry with, with mixed up with butter. Looks good. Everybody getting hungry now? Good. What else? What else? Butter. butter? Okay. <laughs> you said that with such authority. That was Butter. Okay, and we'll let that butter right there count. That was great. Thank you. That was wonderful. Uh, speaking of butter, is there anybody who likes apple butter? Anybody like apple? I think we got apple butter up here. Ah, oh, apple butter. Who likes apple butter? Can I get it? Can I get a witness? Okay, many other. I think we got one more of that. Apple butter with the apples in the back. Okay, trying to think what's next. Uh, let's just put the next one up there. Ah, honey. Look at, the, look at that honey just spreading. Is it like, would you like some bread with your honey? I mean, that's just a lot of honey. Um, I, I'm going to, I don't mean to do a commercial, but Deanna and I have fallen in love with, let's go to the next one. This is, have you all ever had uh, cinnamon honey? Oh, okay. Well, this is, this is weeks, it, it's a small farm in South Georgia, and you can order it, and I'm going to stop there. But anyway, it's incredible. Uh, but it's, yeah, honey spread, and it's cinnamon flavored, and it's just unbelievable. Now, so that's the top four. I think there's one more that's not sweet, though, so much, and that's uh, olive oil with some other stuff in it and everything. Anybody like olive oil with the, okay, very good. Okay, I hope you're, hope you're hungry now. Now, why, and I'm going to go back to that, trust me. But let me go to this. There's one miracle of Jesus that's recorded in every of the Gospels, all four of them. Does anybody know what it is? I heard it. What was it? Feeding of five. Yeah, feeding of the five thousand. Who said that? Very good. Feeding of the five thousand. Exactly. All four Gospels. It's an important one. And it's not just 5,000 people. That was 5,000 men. With the full families, it was probably closer to somewhere between 10,000 and 12,000. And Jesus fed, fed them by multiplying what? Five loaves of bread and how many fish? Two. Very good. And it rocked their world. I mean, this mass of people that was there, they were, they were just blown away by this. But notice what happens after this miracle. And go home and, and read John chapter 6. It's just a crazy chapter, and I can only cover just a little bit of it but it's just really something so he feeds this whole mass of people thousands of people and then look at john 6 14 and 15 when the people saw him do this miraculous sign and and john always calls a miracle a sign because it's pointing to something about jesus when he saw this miraculous sign they exclaimed surely he is the prophet we have been expecting when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. They were like, okay, we're going to make him our prophet. We're going to make him our king. And Jesus is like, they don't want me to be the kind of king that I need to be. So he just slipped away. What kind of king did they want? Obviously, you know this, a military one, a uh, one who would really just overthrow the government. And also one who would feed them. They were like, this would be great. He could be our king. And if we just sit and listen to him for a while, uh, he will do a miracle. And then we'll get a miracle meal all the time. This would be so great. So they were excited about this. Well, the crowd notices 
that Jesus didn't get in the boat with the disciples to go back over the Sea of Galilee to go back to Capernaum, which was kind of their headquarters at that point. And so he slipped away somewhere. So they're like, oh, he's still over on this side. So the disciples can go back to Capernaum. We're going to stay here because Jesus is somewhere around here. Well, what happens? Jesus winds up going onto the water and walks on the water, eventually uh, catches up with the guys in the boat. He gets in the boat with the disciples, who are rather just blown away by this, and he gets to Capernaum. So the next morning, all these people on the other side of the sea are like, where is he? Where is he? Has anybody found him? And then somebody comes along and says, hey, I just heard he's in Capernaum. He's, he's there this morning. So they all get in their boats and go back over there. Jesus sees them coming, and he just kind of busts their chops. As soon as they get there, he knows their ulterior motive. And look what he says in verse 26. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. What this all means, which is what? I am the bread of life. But he goes on to encourage them if you go to verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. Now, this is one of the I am statements that you find in John, really speaking of Jesus' divinity. He's saying, you know, y'all are thinking about that food that I gave you, but you don't understand. You know, that'll help you. That'll keep you fed for a few hours. But I have the bread of life that can give you satisfaction and contentment and fullment for the rest of your life for eternity because I am the bread of life. I can provide you that for all eternity but you see they love here we go they love the topping more than they love the substance are you with me you know they love the miracles more than they love the message or the messenger we can say you know they want to make it all about the jam and the honey and the apple butter that's really what they're into so jesus says this look at verses 47 and 48 i tell you the truth anyone who believes has eternal life yes i am the bread of life. He keeps trying to tell them, look, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Now, Jesus, at this point, takes it to a whole new level because this is where he's basically saying, are you going to be on the fence? Are you going to come with me? Are you going to just admire me? Are you going to follow me? You know, Are you going to put me as number one, even above your families, above your livelihood, above all of your pursuits that you're all about? You know, would you like, what he's trying to say is, would you like some bread with your honey? Because I'm right here. I'm the bread of life if you want me and if you will follow me. And at this point, if you read toward the end of this chapter, many people walk away. You know, well, those miracles were cool, but we don't want to have to follow you. We don't want to have to follow you. And it became crystal clear that they wanted temporary toppings instead of eternal life, eternal bread. But some stayed. The question this morning is, will you? Are you? Look at verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. 
And he goes on to say, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die, but will live forever. And at this table, at this table is bread that represents, that symbolizes his own flesh. And so we come to this place. And in just a moment, you're going to take some of the bread. Will you take that bread and understand what it means to really follow the bread of life? Or are you really more into some kind of superficial topping that doesn't do anything, doesn't compare to what Jesus offers you? I'd like to ask the deacons to come up who are serving, and let's have a word of prayer. Lord, be with us now. Please forgive us when we place other things before you. Thank you so much for your son who gave everything on behalf of us. As we take of this bread, may we understand that it is the bread of life that takes us beyond the reality of where we are now to the greater reality beyond what compares to that. So may we give thanks as we take of your bread.